episode 112. Late Night Internet Marketing. This week... On the Late Night Internet Marketing Podcast, we talk about the coming zombie apocalypse. I also talk about the rise of the mobile browser, and we give you an update on the late night niche site. I'm going to explain all about the website hosting that I'm using for the late night niche site and the website hosting things that you need to think about for your website. All this and more on the Late Night Internet Marketing Podcast. Internet Marketing Podcast. You've been working for somebody else, but you want a business to run yourself. You want to know how to start, where to begin. Can you get out your comfort zone, my friend? Yes, you can do it right when it's late at night. Now, broadcasting late at night from a little studio in the big state of Texas, your host, Mark Mason. Hey, 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 I hope everybody's doing great today. This is Mark Mason coming to you from Dallas, Texas. I hope you're having an absolutely fantastic day as always. Due to some technical difficulties and changes in schedule and all kinds of crazy stuff like that, I'm actually recording this right after the Chicago Cubs have had an opportunity to win the coveted World Series. They are champions of all of baseball. Congratulations to the Cubbies, and congratulations to my good friend Matt, who, uh, having been a Cubs fan since he was a little kid, has finally gotten the opportunity to see his Cubbies win a world title. This is Matt Tenner from the world-famous City of Allen Peanut softball team, and I never listen to the Late Night Internet Marketing Podcast. And for you Indians fans, I'm really sorry for you. I understand how painful this is actually. I understand very well because the Rangers have, have done their share of World Series losing in recent memory, and I'm sorry about that. We were rooting for the Cubs because of my friend Matt, but really have a place in our heart for the Indians too because we have some long-range extended friend and family ties to Andrew Miller, their relief pitcher. In any case, I hope you guys got to see that game last night. It was absolutely fantastic. And uh, I'm tired, but here I am. It's late night internet marketing. I'm doing my thing. And I wanted to talk to you about an absolutely amazing video experiment that my friend Ray Edwards is doing over at rayedwards.com. If you're, if you're not familiar with Ray Ray is an awesome guy who is part of the mastermind that I'm always talking to you about that I'm in with some buddies. And Ray has recently started this vlogging experiment. He's experimenting with some different social media things on his platform. One of them is vlogging, and he has committed to 30 days of vlogging. And he started his very first vlog in this 30-day experiment. He's vlogged before, but... His, this 30-day experiment started this week, and his first episode was about how he doesn't watch Walking Dead anymore and all the reasons that he doesn't watch The Walking Dead anymore. 
And it was a very successful post. It was very interesting. And the reason that he doesn't watch The Walking Dead anymore sort of boils down to this kind of of mental psychology issue. And that is that you're kind of the sum of the things that go into your brain. And one of my favorite quotes about this issue is from one of my heroes, Zig Ziglar. A lot of you know the story that when I was 18, I was exposed to Zig Ziglar. Now, that was, you know, kind of 30 years ago. And I had these actual cassette tapes that I used to carry around in my car and listen to as a high school student. And one of the quotes that Zig has about this topic is, you are what you are and you are where you are because of what has gone into your mind. You change what you are and you change where you are by changing what goes into your mind. It's one of my favorite Zig Ziglar quotes because it it talks it goes to this kind of thing that Tony Robbins always talks about. Your subconscious mind is at work, it's doing stuff and it acts based on what you feed it. And Ray makes this argument about the emotions that the walking dead triggers in you in this vlog and by the way I'll I'll put a link to Ray's vlog post in the show notes if you're interested um but you know basically it's this this thing where where you're really the sum of the things that you put in your mind because that's what you give your mind to work on to focus on to think about and so if you want to change your situation according to Zig put stuff in your mind that will help you do that if you're not accomplishing the things that you want to accomplish Put motivational things into your mind. If you're not focused on your business or your business is not successful in the way that you want it to be successful, put business topics in your mind. Feed your mind the things that it needs to be successful. Now, this also goes along with this idea that if you're one of these people who says, I don't have time to work on my business, I just can't seem to make any progress because I have this soul-sucking day job and 14 kids and I got to mow my yard and all that kind of stuff. If you're that guy, um, then, you know, what you need to do is stop watching The Walking Dead. So these are two different issues, but they go together really well. So pay attention to what you're putting in your mind, and that will help you accomplish whatever goals that you have. And I encourage you to to check out Ray and his new vlogging experiments. Very interesting. Ray's a super interesting guy, and I consider him a close personal friend. This week, in the world of internet marketing news. Marketing news. So this week, in the department of super cool news, I was reading Marketing Land. I, I like that. It's a kind of an internet marketing news website that I, I look at a lot. And there was an article there. There's a link to it in the show notes over at latenightim.com forward slash 112. According to the to new data from StatCounter, which is, you know, it, it is what it says. It's one of these companies that compiles data. Mobile devices have, for the very first time in the, in the history, overtaken the desktop as as a place to get on the internet in the world. Okay, so if you take all the data, all the internet traffic on a global basis, there's more internet traffic on global devi- on uh, mobile devices rather than on the desktop, and that's kind of an amazing thing. 
I mean, in my lifetime, when when I was a kid, computers were just starting out. I had an Apple II as a child growing up that I purchased. I've also told you this story before. I purchased with my own money. At least I paid for half of it by mowing yards. At that time, that computer, I remember very well, cost $1,199, which was a small fortune at that time. And there was no such thing as mobile computing, obviously. In fact, I had a 300-baud modem, dial-up modem on that computer that was single duplex, meaning that it couldn't send and receive at the same time. You know, Fast forward that to now, where I've got this amazing amount of computing power in my hand that's mobile with these incredible screens that have much, 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 much higher resolution in my hand than I had on the whole big monitor, not to mention color. Those original monitors were monochrome. So that's all changed over the last uh, sort of 35 or 40 years. And now mobile usage of the internet is projected to completely outreach desktop usage this year. And so what's the tale for you, the marketer? Well, Obviously, you need to not just make sure that your website is usable on mobile. We're reaching you know, a time in history where you're going to have to start thinking about having a mobile-first strategy. At the very least, you better have an excellent website for your mobile customers. Now, understand that your niche may vary. Maybe you have a niche in the engineering website, your business-to-business and people are mostly accessing your stuff at work. It's also going to depend a little bit on where your traffic is coming from. These are global statistics, and mobile mobile is more prevalent in certain parts of the world where the primary computer is the cell phone. But even on LateNightInternetMarketing.com, my mobile traffic's over 30%. That means that you need to have an excellent mobile experience. And it really means that solutions that we've used in the past that automatically make your website mobile compatible aren't really good enough anymore. You really need something that has responsive design, not just because Google cares more about mobile than they used to. In fact, they will downrate your site for mobile if you don't have a mobily responsive site. And they care even more than they used to. In fact, later this year, they're supposed to be rolling out a separate mobile index for web pages that you get when you're searching on mobile. It's not just Google. It's that your site visitors are actually coming for mobile. And if you are going to serve them, you're going to have to have a website that's properly optimized for mobile to get the conversions, to serve your users and all those things that you're trying to do. Now, usually what that means is a responsive website design. And that's one of the reasons that I moved away from my old website designs that I had been using to a new framework that I like that is fully mobile responsive and allows me to do a bunch of things that I want to do. Now, we're going to have a future episode on this because the late night niche site is going to use this framework, but I've been using the framework called Divi over at Elegant Themes for some time now. You can find that over at latenightim.com forward slash Divi, D-I-V-I. That's a super cool framework. I really like it. It's incredibly powerful. 
it actually allows me to do a lot of the stuff that I would normally do with lead pages. And that's another reason that I like it because it helps me avoid all that cost in certain cases where I don't want to use lead pages. Divi allows me to have this fantastic mobile experience. So if you go to latenightim.com, that mobile design sort of, you get that automatically with the, with the Divi theme. And a lot of themes do this. Genesis has a whole mobily responsive framework underneath. And so that's the key thing is to make sure you're using something that's modern and mobily responsive. But I thought that was amazing. In my lifetime, we have come from a place where there were essentially no computers of any use to normal people. And computers existed when I was born, but nobody had one to a place where everyone's got a computer in their pocket worldwide and more people are using that computer mobily than they are from the desktop on a worldwide basis. Truly an amazing time to be alive. Whether you say niche or niche, it's time for an update on the late night niche site. Okay, that gets us to our main segment. And we've talked about this kind of topic before. But since we're in the niche site creation mode, I wanted to talk about this again and bring you up to date with a new kind of technology that's going on in web hosting. So I'll take you through web hosting and my current recommendation on web hosting and what we're doing for the late night niche site. So you'll recall in the past we've talked about how to go about selecting a niche. And we went all through that process in a previous episode. I'll link to that in the show notes and talked about the fact that I was interested in youth baseball. And so we decided that we're going to build a niche site around the topic of youth baseball. That's something I'm interested in right now and participating in a lot. And then we decided we were going to find a domain name for this website based on some criteria that we outlined in episode 108. And in fact, there's a great checklist there that I made for you. If you go to latenightim.com, forward slash 108, you can download the late night domain name checklist. It gives you all these things that you need to think about when you're buying a domain name. And we ended up with youthbaseballzone.com and I bought that. And so now our next thing is to figure out where our website is going to live. Okay. And from an analogy standpoint, youth baseballzone.com is sort of our address and the web server that this this website is going to be housed on that's sort of the property that we are going to use was where we're going to build our house we're going to build it on this website at this address youthbaseballzone.com okay so there's a couple of major ways you can think about this the first thing that you can do Let's say you're a donut shop down the road and you want a website and you want it today and you want no hassle and no fuss. You just want to get the thing up and you want something that looks really nice. You can go with a company like Squarespace. And what Squarespace does is not only do they provide hosting, they also provide amazing software that you can use to get a beautiful, responsive, mobile-friendly website up and running And it's really no hassle, no fuss, no muss. You use their integrated builder. It looks great and you're done. And basically you can create a blog or an online business card sort of 
website with your menu if you're this donut shop or pictures or a gallery if you're some kind of artist or a consultancy whatever you've got you can create it and literally you can rock and roll i mean this this is a really good tool it's definitely far and away if you're that kind of of person if you want to build a wedding website for your family or friends that are getting married or something give that to them as a wedding present for example this is absolutely the right tool for that sort of thing. It's, it's super affordable and, and it's easy to use. Now, we don't typically use things like Squarespace for affiliate marketing because they're not as flexible as WordPress, which is what I'm going to recommend for you here in a minute. A little spoiler alert. You guys know that I and most other affiliate marketers that are building websites on the planet are using WordPress. Um, it's not as flexible and... There's concerns about sometimes there are things they will and won't let you do. Now, Squarespace is not really bad about this at all, but they're not using WordPress. They're using their own proprietary software, which works incredibly well, but it doesn't give you access to this rich array of things that you have when you use WordPress. So I don't particularly recommend this for affiliate marketers, although it's certainly possible to build your affiliate website on a tool like Squarespace. So that's one option that you have that's sort of made for you out of the box website builder stuff like Squarespace, which is super cool. Another option that you have is to build your website on WordPress or a, a blogging platform like Blogger, but not use what's called self-hosted WordPress. Use the version of WordPress or the product from Google called Blogger to build your website on their pre-created software. Now, this is sort of exactly in some ways like Squarespace, but it uses, instead of the proprietary software that Squarespace has, it uses the, in the case of WordPress, the actual WordPress software. So that's using WordPress, which I certainly recommend, but you're using it on WordPress's platform. And again, you're subject to their guidelines and their restrictions, and the, they kind of control some of the things that you can and can't do on wordpress.com. And while I think it's a fantastic solution, and I, I actually have several friends that work over at Automatic, for, for some people this is a perfect solution. For affiliate marketers, again, that's not what I recommend. I recommend that you host your own website, you be in control of your own destiny, and and not be at the behest of, of someone else who's running the back end of, of your software for you. Instead, what I and other people who are in the business of building affiliate websites and other sort of platforms often recommend is this thing called self-hosted WordPress. And that's different than WordPress.com, where they're hosting WordPress for you. WordPress.org is a place that you go to download some software called WordPress that you can put on this web host that we're talking about here in a few minutes. So, Again, you've got these kind of things. You can do turnkey with something like Squarespace. You can do something sort of in the middle with something like WordPress.com, where at least you're getting WordPress, but you've still got some restrictions that I don't particularly care for. Or you can go the self-hosted route, where you go secure your own hosting and download and install WordPress yourself. Now, the good news is most of these better website hosting operations have what they call one-click installation packages for WordPress, which means that 
If you want WordPress on your website, you just go and you buy website property from them, buy a server package from them, and click a button and WordPress is installed. So the days of nightmarish technical issues with WordPress are, are long since gone. You you pay your money, you click your button, and boom, your website appears. And it usually really is that simple. Now, the thing about hosting is, and again, this is a company that owns a room full of computers. Usually it's multiple rooms full of computers at different places in the world for these bigger companies. These server farms, if you will, you buy a little piece of space in there, a little apartment in their apartment complex of servers, if you will, and that's where your your website lives. That kind of website hosting, the self-hosting, where you're buying this website service from these people like Bluehost or HostGator, that comes in a variety of levels of service. And there are four levels of service that I want to go over with you quickly, just so you can understand. We've talked about this a little bit before, but I want to help you understand. Now, the first kind of website hosting that you'll hear about, and it's the least expensive, is called shared hosting. This is a website hosting service where you're in a situation where you're website is on a computer that is shared by others. Now, your website visitors don't realize this. To them, they're just visiting youthbaseballzone.com, and they don't know that other people are on this website server with you. But the resources on this server are shared in, in an extensive way. So if you have some bad neighbors on shared hosting, that misbehave and use up all of the electricity or air conditioning, or if they make too much noise, sometimes that behavior of other people on your server, people you've never met that you don't really know very well, can affect the performance of your website. To be honest with you, this has been increasingly less and less an issue. As server technology has improved, the quality of shared hosting has increased over time, and I have a lot of my websites on shared hosting. In fact, we'll talk about what I recommend here at the end of the episode. My recommendation has changed lately, but I've got a lot of websites on shared hosting, and because of caching and other kinds of interesting website technology like cPanel and WHM and some other virtualization technologies, this this is less of an issue than it used to be, but it's still an issue. Your resources aren't completely protected from your neighbors. And so if your neighbor, for example, has a blog post that goes super mega viral and nobody's paying attention, all of the bandwidth on your web server can be sucked up and your website might go down. So what I would say is while this baby website hosting, this shared hosting that's the cheapest of the choices that you have is really inexpensive and has a low barrier to entry. It has the additional reliability risk that I described. And usually for people who are starting out, this is absolutely just fine. And like I said, I've got small websites on shared hosting. A lot of times I'll even start a website on shared hosting. And if it catches and gets bigger and I want to improve the performance, then I'll move it to the next tier, which is a virtual private server, VPS. And what this is, what a virtual private server is, is shared hosting, essentially, 
that uses sophisticated software to protect your resource. So like maybe in the first case, like you're living in a college dormitory with a shared bathroom where everybody's using these, these resources together. And if your friends uh, spend too much time in the bathroom, it may affect your ability to get a shower on time in the morning. With virtual private servers, VPS, you're more like in an apartment complex where you're actually, you have your own apartment, you have your own shower, you're still next door to your neighbors. And so if they make too much noise, you might hear them every once in a while. Or if the electric if the electricity goes off for the whole building, you'll your electricity will go off too. But it's not nearly as susceptible to what's going on at your neighbor's website. And that's considerably more expensive, usually going from a few dollars a month to maybe as much as fifty or sixty or a hundred dollars a month, depending on what you pick and which company you go with for, for virtual private hosting. But um you definitely can protect your websites that way. And I also have websites on virtual private servers, and that's um, that's a kind of a the next tier option. And basically, for me, it's kind of a simple decision. If the website's not making money, it gets shared hosting. If it's if it's doing a little better, it gets promoted to virtual private server. And if it's a popular website like late night internet marketing, it gets a third tier which is called dedicated hosting, where you've got your own computer sitting in a server farm somewhere at one of these website hosts, and it's just for you. This is equivalent of moving out of an apartment and buying your own house where you've got land around you. What your neighbors are doing doesn't really affect you, and you're safe from, for the most part, from what's going on on other people's websites. So... Shared hosting, very inexpensive. It's the least reliable, going to be the least reliable of hosting. Virtual private servers, it's kind of the middle ground, and it's analogous to an apartment complex as opposed to a dorm room. And then dedicated hosting where you've got your own house on on your own land. And I'm I'm trying to remember, I think maybe that analogy, I think I might have got that over that analogy from Leslie Samuel over becomeablogger.com years ago, but that's kind of a good analogy. Now, I told you there was something new that I wanted to talk to you about, and that's actually what latenightinternetmarketing.com is on. It's called cloud-based hosting. So we talked about these three steps where you isolate yourself more and more, and in the end step that we described, this dedicated server, you've got a single computer that is responsible for serving your website. Well, with cloud hosting, you take that even farther where you have parts of multiple computers that are all contributing to your web hosting. So in the first case, you were the part of, of one computer, a tiny part of one computer. That's shared hosting. In the middle case, you were a walled off, dedicated part of a single computer in dedicated hosting, you are the entire computer. And in this case, this cloud hosting, there are multiple computers that comprise your website. And this is really cool. It's, it's called virtualization. And it means there's a server farm, and those server farms are glued together in such a way that it means that, it, that the power 
from those servers, the computing power is all mixed together and you just use a little bit of the mixed up, the mixed power. So it's pooled together and then a portion of that pool is allocated to you. And the cool thing about that is if one computer goes down, if I say a hard drive blows up and catches on fire or there's something wrong with a motherboard on one of the computers, one computer in the cloud goes down, you don't care because there's 10 or 20 or 100 computers that are responsible for your node. And so the load for your computer kind of shifts over to those other computers. It's a kind of a redundant system, if you will. And it's not redundant in the, in the sense that there are multiple copies of, of your website running on all these computers. It's that they all contribute to the running of your machine. So if one of them calls in sick one day, the whole computer keeps running from the from the whole website keeps running. So that's kind of a a really poor and confusing explanation of of cloud hosting. So that's really cool and that's what late night internet marketing runs on. And that tends to be even more expensive. And so I certainly don't recommend cloud hosting for those of you that are just starting out. So in the past I have recommended basically three websites and I, I still think they're great. For years I recommended HostGator at latenightim.com forward slash HostGator. And I still think HostGator is good. They have certainly had their problems um, there, but they're a good company, and I think that's still a fine place to start. A lot of my friends have websites on HostGator that are doing just fine. I like HostGator still. I like a little better these days for whatever reason, and I'm not sure why. Bluehost, I like their website user interface a little better. But basically, in my mind, they're sort of the same as HostGator. Right now, Bluehost seems to have a little better reputation, at least in the crowd that I run in, than HostGator. But I like both of those, and they're both great for shared hosting. And that's what I would use. Uh, That's what I have used in the past for shared hosting. Now... I don't recommend them for shared hosting anymore. I think it's fine if you use them. I'm not saying that you should switch, although you certainly can. Lately, what I've been using for my personal websites that are on shared hosting is SiteGround. And you can find them at latenightim.com forward slash SiteGround. I recently consolidated a bunch of sites off of more expensive virtual private servers onto SiteGround shared hosting and have been very impressed. And one of the reasons that I like SiteGround is because they are very focused on what I would loosely call managed WordPress hosting. Most of their customers are on WordPress. They're optimized for WordPress. And people that I know that are familiar with WordPress really like sort of the technical back end of what's going on over at SiteGround from a performance standpoint, from a reliability standpoint, and certainly from an ease of use of WordPress standpoint. So if you're just starting out, I think SiteGround is a really great choice. And that's what I'm recommending now to anyone who comes to me and says, hey, Mark, I want to start a website. What hosting should I use? The caveat is, of course, that all website hosting, whether or not it's shared, virtual, private, server, dedicated, or cloud, at some point you're going to have some issue. Something's going to go down. That's always the case. But with SiteGround, 
Um, I haven't seen any issues. Their technical support is great. I love their user interface. It's super easy to use. And actually, if you sign up for SiteGround, they will move your site for you. They will move one site for you for free as part of your purchase. So if you're having trouble with your website hosting, you're currently on shared hosting and you want something better, I definitely recommend that you check out SiteGround over at late night IM forward slash SiteGround. Now, for for virtual private servers, SiteGround has that too. I have not had a chance to use them for that, but I was on for years and years. I was recommending Servant for virtual private servers, and I've let I'm in the process of leaving them for two reasons. One is I really don't want to mess with website management too much. I don't want to upgrade PHP and worry about upgrading to the latest versions of MySQL and worry about whether or not the latest security patch is on the server. And one of the things that managed WordPress hosting gets for you is that there's somebody else, an actual IT professional, worried about those things. And the package that I had over at Servant, I was basically paying for a dedicated server or a virtual private server, but I was managing it, and I don't want to do that anymore. That was that was one thing, sort of a philosophical thing. The thing that pushed me over the edge was I had this uh, bad customer service experience with them where I was really busy and trying to get something done, and I sent a ticket into their customer service, and they told me that they'd gone to a new support model, and in order to even really look at my problem uh, in any detail or work on it at all, I needed to pay them $150 an hour. Now, that's fine. That's their business model. And I'm cool with that. If that's what the, if that's how they want to handle my support ticket, that's certainly their, their right to do that. But I mean, I've been a customer with them for God forever since 2009 or something like that. And I just felt, um, mistreated in that moment. And so understanding where their support model was going to and understanding that, um, you know, I felt like I wanted a more managed solution and I didn't want to pay what they're charging for uh, that solution. Um, I decided to move along. So I, I still think servant is a fine company. And in fact, uh, I've had fantastic customer service from them in the past. It's just this new policy that they have, about charging customers $150 an hour for support, which I understand that's where they're headed. I'm already paying them $136 a month. And, you know, so for simple questions, I I was expecting a little more. And so I'm moving along. So that's sort of where I am with that. So here's the bottom line of all of this. If you're doing things online where you need a web presence, but you're not really trying to run an internet business, you just, you need some stuff online I definitely would recommend that you look at Squarespace. But if you're doing the kind of things that I, I'm talking about, this kind of internet marketing thing, I definitely recommend that you host your own website. And I recommend that you do that on this service called SiteGround. There are lots of other options that you can choose from, and they're all perfectly fine. I'm just personally using SiteGround right now, and I really, really like it over at latenightim.com forward slash site ground. That's S-I-T-E-G-R-O-U-N-D. 
Um, and so you can check that out and see what you want. If you're not happy with your current website solution, I definitely recommend that you check out SiteGround because they will help you get moved over and their pricing is very affordable. They're very WordPress friendly. That's what we want to use for our affiliate sites. Once you get hosting, your choices are shared hosting, which is what I recommend that you start with, virtual private servers, dedicated hosting and cloud. When you're big enough to uh, move off of shared hosting, that's a really good problem to have, and you can cross that bridge when you come to it. So what you'll see in the coming week is that youthbaseballzone.com will come to life. Right now, if you go there, you get nothing. Soon, if you go to youthbaseballzone.com, you'll find an empty website, and that empty website will be hosted on SiteGround. Now, in the coming weeks, we'll have an episode where we talk about getting that website up and running so that there's something there when visitors come. That will be in the next week or two, and we're going to talk about how we do that. We're going to use WordPress, as I mentioned, and we're going to do that on the SiteGround platform, and boom, we'll have a website, we'll install a theme, and we'll start to make it beautiful all in a future episode of the Late Night Internet Marketing Podcast. Until then, I hope you get something fantastic done on your business, and I'll talk to you next week. You can do it right when it's late at night. You've been listening to the Late Night Internet Marketing Podcast. Be sure to visit latenightpodcast.com today to leave feedback for Mark. Download special bonus content, access the show notes, and more. See you there. Until then, then, go and make some great progress on your internet business. One night at a time. One night at a time. Okay, so that Cubs game was absolutely crazy last night. Oh my gosh, if you guys didn't see that, wow, that was one of the better baseball games I have seen in a very long time. It had everything. It had big leads, comeback, pitching drama, lots of big hits, home runs, just all kinds of things that you can imagine, a rain delay, drama. I mean, it was just amazing. Uh players that failed to execute routine plays. So, you know, there were some errors and just a lot of tension. Young guys who who were barely old enough to be there winning their first World Series. Uh, the oldest guy to ever hit a home run in a World Series hit a home run last night. I mean, it was just unbelievable. So I guess he's the oldest guy to ever hit a home run in Game 7. I'm not quite sure. But um, in any case, it was an amazing baseball game. And even if you're not a baseball fan, it was so incredibly entertaining. It's the kind of thing that Major League Baseball must just be thrilled because I know today on the radio, on in the news, people are going to be talking about this baseball game. It was truly fantastic. And now baseball season is over, and I'm a little sad. And it's uh, just a few months until spring training starts, and we do it all over again. Ciao. Late night internet marketing. Hey, it's Mark again. I wanted to tell you one more time about this absolutely free resource that I have for helping people who are trying to get the big picture 
for internet marketing, actually get started and understand what all their choices are. If that's not you, there's no more content. You can skip to the end. But if you're someone who came to this podcast because you're searching for how to get started online and you just can't cut through all the noise, I get it. That was me in 2007 when I was trying to get started. There were so many people throwing offers at me that I really couldn't even understand what all the different business models were. I couldn't understand how money moved around on the internet and I couldn't really get a grip on what direction I wanted to go in so I could figure out how to move forward. I've created a free video resource for you just for that purpose at latenightim.com forward slash explain. In several short videos, I just explained to you what internet marketing is all about and what online business is all about and the different options that you have for starting an online business. There's nothing to buy there. You just sign up for access and you get the videos just like that. So if that's interesting to you, or if you know someone who's in a same situation, send them that link, latenightim.com forward slash explain. And let me know what you think. I'd love to hear what people are thinking that are in the exact same position that I was in more than a decade ago in 2007. In some ways, it seems like yesterday. And in some ways, it seems like an entire lifetime ago. Again, that's latenightim.com forward slash explain. Late night internet marketing.